turn now a fourth time to Philippians 4, 10 to 13. And I said last time that we were going to carry further our effort to try to understand what Paul means when he says, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, or I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, or I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I can do all things. So what is this secret or this know-how, or what has he learned? What is the can-do? And we began last time by pointing out that the first clue was through him who strengthens me. I do this contentment through him who strengthens me. I know how to be in a low, miserable situation with contentment, and I know how to be in a high, abounding situation with contentment through him who strengthens me, strengthens me to be low, strengthens me to be hungry, strengthens me to be in need. So the first key to the secret is learning to look to Christ not to ourselves and not to situations for the strength to have contentment. The second clue was in the very word contentment, this autar case, which means self-sufficiency or self-rule. And I just pointed out the paradox throughout Paul, including chapter 2, 12 to 13 in this book, where, yes, we act the miracle of this Christ-strengthening. We act it, but he does it. He creates it. We perform it. So that's the second clue to the secret, the mystery of how divine activity creates human activity in the production of this contentment. Now, There are three more steps. I'm going to do two of them in this session and then save one for the last session. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Father, show us more. Show us more about this secret that Paul had learned that leads to such amazing contentment in miserable times and prosperous times. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The third clue is in the word learn. It's not the same as this word right here. Learn the secret is all one word in Greek, and it means getting into something that's ordinarily hidden. Rather, this word learn is the same one just before in verses 8 and 9, where Paul said, 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned, that's the same word, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, in me, practice these things in the God of peace and contentment will be with you. So there's a learning that Paul had facilitated by what they had received from him. So I'm arguing that step uh, three in getting at the secret is to realize a very practical learning of what Paul had taught is key to this contentment. It's not so spiritual that it doesn't involve mental learning. So what I did was simply go back through Philippians. I'm going to do this for you now. You do it by yourself if you were working on some other text. It takes time, but this is really worth it. I went back through the whole book, and I wrote down, what have I learned that if I believed them would yield this? So here, here they are. God turns losses for gain, Philippians 1.12 I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, namely my imprisonment, has really served to advance the gospel. Believe that, and it will bring contentment in prison. The Spirit of Jesus works to save us in peril. Chapter 1, verse 19. I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So our troubles turn out for good. Suffering is a gift of God with good purposes. 129. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer. Suffering is a gift from God that works for our good. The worst suffering for Christ is gloriously rewarded. 29. In the case of Christ, Therefore, that is, because he suffered such loss willingly by coming for us, God has highly exalted him. And that's stated as an argument for why we should have the mind of Christ and be like him in our suffering. In all our working, God is working in us and for us. God is the one who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Believe that. He's at work in you. It will add to your contentment. The absence of grumbling, which is the same as the presence of contentment, is a sign that you are the child of God. Do all things without grumbling, that is, with contentment or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. It's a sign that we're children of God. Rest in the fact that your freedom from contentment is evidence that you're a child of God and let it work contentment in you. Death in the service of Christ's people is an occasion of re rejoicing. Death and rejoicing. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, that means die, I am glad and rejoice with you all. And he goes on to say, likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. Even death can't stop us from rejoicing and being content. Risking your life is a truly honorable thing. Honor such men, namely Epaphroditus, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So honor is owing to those who risk their lives. So risk your life and enjoy the honor. 
In all my struggles to hold on to Christ, he has already taken hold on me. I love this verse, 312. I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. He's grabbed me so I can grab him. Even though my body will wear out and die, Christ will come and give me a new body. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So don't let the wearing out of your body in old age or in disease take away your contentment. You're going to get a new body. All our joy is not finally in things, but in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, Always, again, I will say, rejoice. The Lord is your contentment. Prayer and thankfulness in all circumstances release a peace from God beyond human mental ability to produce. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding. That's contentment. That's the mystery of contentment. It surpasses understanding. That's why it's a mystery and a secret. We'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4. Practicing humble servanthood toward others is the drawing near of the God of peace. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, that's how Paul lived. He practiced servanthood. Practice these things and the God of peace, God of contentment, will be with you. You will have everything you need. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So be content and don't worry about your stuff. So the third clue for what the secret is of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need with contentment, the third clue is the word learn. And I just listed all those ways, all those things we learn from Philippians. In other words, we need facts or truth. We need truth in our minds from the apostles if we're going to enjoy this contentment. It flows from learning truth. And the fourth point, I'll just mention it, is it's called a secret because the devil knows these truths and they do not give him Christian contentment. Truth alone does not produce this miracle of Christ-exalting contentment. It must be believed. So the secret is going further than awareness. It's seeing these facts that we just listed, these things we have learned, seeing them with the eyes that regard them as precious, more precious than anything in the world. That's what yields contentment. So the fourth step that points to what the secret is, is that the truth must be embraced and treasured and loved and believed, which leads to one last question. Is there a pointer to the secret when we realize that our contentment is threatened in this passage not only by hard times brought low, but good times, I know how to abound. In other words, Paul is saying, I had to learn a secret to know how to have plenty. 
I had to learn a secret to know how to have abundance. So what kind of thing has been said in this letter that yields the secret of plenty, the secret of abundance, the secret of abounding in such a way that we have Christ-exalting contentment, not just the contentment of the world that comes through comfortable circumstance. That's next time.